Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. right it's a it's a new day and this is the day the lord has made we have been um praying with and for our brothers and sisters in christ on the front lines we have been uh praying just a few minutes ago with pastor jason harris uh in in manhattan in new york city thank you to laney who just texted in remember we have a text line you can always communicate with me during the show 877 Nine three three two four eight four. Laney just texted in, said, "Amen." I joined you in prayer as you prayed for Pastor Jason, and I pray for you too, Carmen. Uh, and then um, it's God who is at work within you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. Laney and everyone else who prays every single day uh, for this ministry, I count on your prayers. I literally could not do this work without prayerful support. So thank you so much um, to each and every one of you. It, it is a joy to uh, to labor in this way. On behalf of Christ, alongside you, uh, my brothers and sisters in these days, and so thankful today for Paul Perot who pushes the buttons. Thanks, man. Ah, shucks. Yeah, <laughs> so welcome. right, we count on our listeners to be praying for us. Definitely. This is a listener-supported Definitely. radio, not just financially, but this is a listener-supported, um, you know, ministry in terms of uh, how we literally get up and do what we do every day. And so, thank you for your prayers. They do uh, strengthen and encourage us. Uh, we do have a, a spring share coming up in a couple of weeks, and we're going to need every listener on every platform. Maybe you listen um, on, like, still on a terrestrial uh, radio signal. That's, like, extraordinary right now because nobody's driving to work. So, But maybe you are driving. Maybe you're a truck driver, and maybe you're listening live on the radio. First of all, thank you for continuing to deliver the goods, like literally. You guys are out there delivering the goods. Thank you to farmers who are li- literally, uh, you know, plowing the fields to put in the crops so that we'll have something to eat in the summer and fall. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, thank you to those of you who have now taken your work online, and so you're listening to us streaming at MyFaithRadio.com. Um, those of you who are at home and have enabled either your Alexa or Google Home device to actually just listen to us through those smart connected devices in your home by enabling Faith Radio and then just saying, hey, Google, play Faith Radio. And, you know, we pop on like that's cool, right? Um, Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for sharing this ministry with others. Like we're counting on this to be a time when God extends this ministry to more and more people because there are more and more people who are looking up for hope. They need encouragement and we're offering it here. Uh, day in and day out via the Faith Radio uh, Network. And so let me just encourage you in that way. Also, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. from 9 to 10 Central, 9 to 10 Central time. So for those of you listening in, I don't know, South Korea right now, you have to do the math on what that means for you. But 9 to 10 Central on Saturday morning, uh, April the 4th, Susie Larson, Bill Arnold, and I are all going to be live right here 
wherever you're listening right now, Susie Larson, Bill Arnold, and I will be live 9 to 10 a.m. tomorrow for an hour of call-in radio. We're going to pray together, so call us with your prayer concerns. We will petition the Lord on your behalf alongside you in the name of Jesus. Um, And we're also going to, um, we want to hear your testimonies, your stories, the ways in which God is showing up and showing off in your community, through your church, um, and through people, through his people um, in these days. And so I have one of those people on the line right now. His name is Terrence Lester. He is the author of I See You. He has been uh, here with us before on Mornings with Carmen. He's back today to talk with us about Love Sinks In. If you were to Google Love Sinks In, let me just tell you right now, you'd have a giant big smile on your face. Uh, we're talking about the installation of portable sinks um, in, you know, in urban areas to serve our unsheltered homeless neighbors and friends um, who are seeking to stave off the coronavirus but had no way to wash their hands. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. I know that um, lots of people are saying it now. We're all quoting uh, Mr. Rogers. We're all looking for the helpers. And Terrence Lester has been on the front line of of helping for a long time. And we have him back with us today. Uh, you have heard him here before as the author of I See You, How Love Opens Our Eyes to Invisible People. He is the founder of Love Beyond Walls. Um, and he's here today to talk with us about a campaign called Love Sinks In. Terrence, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you for having me, Carmen. Uh, Really excited to be back with you. Well, you know, you've been on CNN, Good Morning America, really like huge platforms talking about this. And so, um, you know, thank you for coming and sharing this good news story of the way that Christ is working um, in, in a way that might surprise some people. Talk about um, talk about the moment that you sort of had this aha realization that there was going to be a whole community of people who were not going to be able um, to do what we're all being asked to do, which is wash our hands a lot. Yeah, that's a great question. I was sitting uh, at the office. We have a center in College Park, and uh, we were preparing to serve or service uh, community members and I just so happened to get up, walk outside, and I see this guy named Dimitri uh, with a satin disposition. And I literally talked to him, and he responded in sharing his fears for contracting uh, the coronavirus. And when I talked to Dimitri, I simply uh, asked what was beneath those fears, and he said, I'm afraid that I'll contract the coronavirus because I literally have nowhere to wash my hands. And in thinking about it, uh, that triggered something in me and my staff. Uh, we started to think about how all of the public spaces would be shut down, like communities of faith uh, were no longer, no longer having services on Sunday or opening up their programs throughout the week. Uh, libraries, which uh, oftentimes uh, provide daytime shelter and local information and access to the Internet, Uh, And valuable resources would also be uh, closed for those experiencing homelessness. And then public spaces like restaurants and businesses would also be closed. And it 
and just peek this question, how would people experiencing homelessness have access to this basic human right of soap and water? How would they, how would they wash their hands? And uh, I started to dream uh, about uh, ways in which we could transport water to uh, this population that would be uh, at a higher risk for the contraction and spread of the coronavirus. And that's when I, it hit me. Uh, we could do portable hand-washing sinks. Uh, so that's how it came, came about. All right. So it's one thing to, first of all, already be in proximity. So one of the things that I want to highlight in our conversation today is that you were ready um, at Love Beyond Walls, you were ready to respond to a new crisis because you were already in proximity with vulnerable with a vulnerable community, with people who have needs that most of us um, do not experience. And so I want to I want to start there um, because I think that there are um, there are lots of people who, in the midst of this kind of a crisis, they imagine that they could rush to the front lines and they could help. The challenge is if you haven't already lived in proximity, you haven't earned the right, you haven't earned the trust, you haven't been present with people in a significant way where they will then um, sort of allow you to come alongside them um, in in this current experience. So I want to start with the conversation about proximity. But then this moves pretty quickly into a conversation about collaboration. Um, you're not doing this all by yourself. Like partners emerged when people said, what can we do you, God had given you this vision, but you were, you were ready with an answer. We could do this one tangible thing. And because you were in proximity to do it, you have the, the trust of partners like Lecrae to say, okay, let's, let's now get it done. Talk, talk with us about proximity and partnership. Yeah, uh, it's, 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 it's a powerful statement that you just made about proximity. Proximity is the critical piece. Uh, that fuels our work. Uh, it's also the piece that gave us and equipped us with the wisdom uh, to move very quickly. Um, there's a term that's being used nationally called social distancing, right? I don't really, really like to use that term. What I think we're doing is physical distancing. Uh, we're staying physically distant from one another uh, so we don't spread or contract the coronavirus. Um, and but we're still encouraging people to stay social, right? By using things like technology, Zoom, whatever. But there's a population of people that have been rationally with social distancing long before the coronavirus, right? They've been an invisible population, and it's been our heart, our goal uh, to serve people uh, experiencing homelessness, just like Jesus. Uh, there's a passage in Matthew that says. When they were weary, when they were broken, Jesus was moved with compassion. And that proximity piece has allowed us to move with tangible uh, compassion in so many ways uh, to service those who are literally um, without housing right now. And the response has been incredible. Uh, I, I remember uh, us going out a few days ago to refill the water stations, and we had a guy literally about to run to get in line to receive some food because people haven't been out there passing out uh, food. He turns around, looks at us in our faces and says this word, these words, I'm so grateful. I get a chance to wash my hands before I eat. And it's like, you know, it's mind blowing because in the scripture, Jesus was washing feet. Uh, but in this modern context, 
in the way that we're living right now, we're we're having a chance to model what Christ did uh, by washing hands, and it all happened uh, with proximity. And uh, Lecrae, um, he's a good friend of mine. He literally, uh, I think it was two days after I had the idea, uh, he sent me a text message and called me out of the blue, and he was like, He's like, hey, Terrence, what's going on, man? What's one tangible way uh, that we could get involved and literally uh, serve people experiencing homelessness on the streets? What's the very very basic thing that we can do? And since we have been proximate with uh, the community, I I, I feel like uh, he knew that we would have some uh, practical solution. And uh, I told him about the idea, and that's when he got on board, literally, literally. and we combined our efforts to create this campaign called Love Sinks In. And uh, it's spread like wildfire. Right now we have uh, sinks in Birmingham, Alabama. We're partnering with a group on the ground in Austin, Texas. We're in talks with uh, another group in California uh, to launch uh, their, uh, their groups in New York, New York. Uh, we just spoke with a shelter on the ground in uh, o- uh, Oklahoma, Ohio. And uh, uh, there's so many, uh, Columbus, Ohio, I'm sorry, uh, there are so many places around the country that are emerging uh, that have been proximate to this uh, population of people that are literally on the front lines ready to get involved. All right. Now I know people are excited because they're saying, hey, this isn't just Atlanta. This can happen where I live. Um, Terrence, well, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, that's what I want you to tell people. I want you to tell them how they can come alongside Love Beyond Walls in this Love Sinks In campaign, and they can help make this happen um, right where they live. I'm going to continue my conversation in just a moment with Terrence Lester. We'll be right back. Your plans prosper. You've not forgotten us. You're with us in the fight and the flood. I want you to just imagine for a moment that you're told that you need to be washing your hands, um, but you are currently a person who is living without a home. You have been told to shelter in place, and you are a person without permanent shelter. What do you do? Um, and and how can we as Christians respond to that very now obvious need in our own communities. So continuing my conversation with Terrence Lester, he's the author of I See You. He is also um, the the head and inspiration behind Love Beyond Walls, and we are talking today about the Love Sinks In campaign. Terrence, talk with us about um, how this has uh, moved beyond Atlanta, which is your home base, um, to other communities. And let's just say that right now, let's just imagine right now that you know, I don't know, there's tens of thousands of people listening in the uh, Twin Cities, and they're saying to themselves, huh, this is a good idea. How could we make this happen where we live? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Right now, we're making resources available on our site, uh, lovebeyondwalls.org. We're actually about to partner with another organization to uh, create a do-it-yourself uh, portable hand washing station where we're going to make uh, this available to uh, people all around the country. Uh, we are about to partner with this organization to ensure that anybody around the world literally will have the access and the necessary tools and steps to create this on their own. Uh, if they would like to partner with us, they can also 
partner with us at lovebeyondwalls.org uh, by contributing. We are uh, very much still uh, in the process of shipping these uh, assembled sinks uh, around the country. Uh, like I just said, we have uh, added Birmingham, Alabama, uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, New York, New York, and Austin, Texas. And uh, this other partnership with, with the organization in California is going to open us up uh, to ensure that hand washing across America is made possible for people experiencing homelessness. I, I just um, I just love it. You um, you illuminated another need just a minute ago, um, Terrence, and I, I don't want um, I don't want it to pass us by um, because even if I can't today, uh, you know, build a do-it-yourself portable hand washing station, but I'm excited about being able to do that in the coming weeks. Um, I could pack a lunch and and go and put it in the hands of a person who is otherwise not going to have a lunch. Um, so talk with us about what you have observed about the cessation of those kinds of resources and then how regular, you know, everyday ordinary Americans can um, can be meeting the need of our unsheltered neighbors today. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, so I want uh, the listeners to think about how oftentimes people experiencing homelessness rely on commuters for a community uh, um, and how commuters going back and forth to work are literally uh, sheltering in place or quarantined. And um, I remember us being out uh, even just yesterday and people would talk about there are no groups coming out here uh, to give us meals. Uh, Some people haven't eaten in uh, days at a time. Uh, There are some individuals who haven't eaten all week. And so food resources, snacks, are sometimes like uh, critical uh, resources for people right now who are uh, being told to shelter in place, but they really don't have shelter. Another thing, too, is um, if people would like, uh, they can rally together to get sanitation materials like wipes and hand sanitizer. And they don't even have to physically uh, hand them to people if they still want to maintain a physical distance. But if you know where uh, a high-traffic population of people experiencing homelessness is, you could leave these items in uh, locations uh, with uh, verbiage that speaks to the community to suggest that they have access to the resources that you're leaving. And I, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, uh, it's, a, it's a need. Uh, people out there are literally starving. Uh, there are um, so many older people over the age of 60 who may have uh, pre-existing health conditions who haven't been able to have a meal uh, because uh, they rely on commuters for community. And so anything tangible you can do uh, in the safest possible way, I would highly suggest uh, anybody to just move. So let me just give one quick um, tangible idea. I happen to know that there is a, a high-traffic homeless community, I'll use that uh, terminology, um, just beyond the parking lot in the woods um, outside of my local Walmart and Lowe's. Um, and so I um, I am aware that there are a group of moms who are, um, who are loading up additional um, tangible items like the ones you have just described 
And instead of unloading those grocery carts into their minivans, they are parking those grocery carts at the back of the parking lot with a sign that says, um, you know, this is this is my way of including you in the way my family is sheltering in place. These are the same items I bought for my own family, and please share them among your family that lives here. Because we know there are families living um, in that particular homeless uh, community just outside of our Walmart and Lowe's. So there are tangible ways you can do this. You can drive that grocery buggy to the edge of the parking lot, and you can put a sign on it at the edge of the woods. Um, You know, I know that there's a a community of people living um, on a hill behind, um, behind a storage unit that is just behind a grocery store. So same thing applies, right? You you actually can be an ambassador and the social distancing um, is, is still maintained, even though with Terrence, I don't really like that word either. All right. Hey, Terrence, we got to leave it right there. We're going to direct people to the website, lovebeyondwalls.org. We hope you'll come back and give us a report um, uh, when those do-it-yourself um, portable sinks are available. Awesome. Sure will. Thank you for Love having it. me. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. All right, I've got John Stark up next, author of Possibility of Prayer, something we all need today. Welcome back. Thrilled to be joined today by John Stark. He is a pastor in Manhattan. He knows a lot about the bustle and busyness of life. He also um, knows that prayer is not just for other people, not just for spiritual giants, but that prayer is for each and every one of us. And so he's written a book, The Possibility of Prayer, Finding Stillness with God in a Restless World. John Stark, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's just let's just start with this. Um, when we when we think about prayer and we think about our commitment to pray in um, in an intentional way, um, well, let me just ask that: Do you feel like, as a culture, as pe- as even Christians in this culture, we pray with intentionality? Yeah, I think in in some ways, you know, we the intentionality maybe is a step behind the intentionality of prayer is we're probably not very intentional about just sort of our normal rhythms of life or how we think about our day to day. We just sort of consume rather than be intentional. And so we're, we're shaped by the sort of um, warp and loop of, of our culture. Our, our culture teaches us how to think about time. Our culture teaches us how to think about um, what's a, a good use of our time, what the victory with success and and oftentimes slowness, um, spending time, whether it's 15 minutes to however long, uh, in unhurried, um, inefficient use of time, it, it it's not very, it's not it's not, it, it's not built as a good use of how we would use our time, and so um, our culture has taught us that, and and so when we try to be still with the Lord, it. It, um, it seems like a, a not a good use of time, and oftentimes we feel guilty for that. So let's just maybe ask the most basic of questions, and that is, what is prayer? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, 
there's a great quote um, that I've just sort of latched onto. Really, in some ways, prayer is getting close enough to God to hear him say, I love you. Mm. Um, so that's just being still with him. It's a relational um, time with him where you are not only giving your request, but you're receiving communion with him. So um, it's it's time with God's word. So you're you're receiving his word that's living and active there, but you're also... Um, casting your cares, you're you're communicating your desires, but you're you're also listening to his desires. You're 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 trying to make space in your own heart and imagination and time for for him. So in a very basic way, it's it's getting close enough to God to have a, a loving communion um, with with him on an ordinary basis, just like you would have with any other relationship. Uh, this one is the, the God of the universe. So I'm talking with John Stark. We're talking about his book, The Possibility of Prayer, Finding Stillness with God in a Restless World. Um, John, it's it really does start with the question of, is it possible? So talk with us about, yeah. you know, maybe the impossibility of prayer. Um, and then let's let's grasp the possibility of it before we talk about the practice of prayer. Yeah. I mean, when I talk with folks in, in my own uh, church community, the, the first impossibility seems time. Time is really challenging to be able to sit down with prayer. Um, but I think if, if I push behind time, that, that excuse, there's actually deeper reasons because we make a lot of time for a lot of things. Um, so I, if you push behind time, um, you you see that maybe being in a hurry is actually covering and numbing all kinds of things that keep us from prayer. So just being still, if you try to just be still for a lot, for any amount of time, whether it's five minutes, anxieties come to the surface, um, fear, shame, or guilt. So um, imagine trying to be um, present and still in the presence of someone whom you have to give an account to at some level. Um, there are all kinds of things swimming under the surface. So when we're quiet and still, that's when all the sort of um, emotional monsters come out and play. And we're used to numbing and stuffing that down with busyness and um, efficiency. And uh, when we set that aside for any amount of time, um, it feels like we're drowning in um, the things that we're usually good at numbing. Um, so that's what makes it oftentimes feel impossible. It's not just time. I'm tempted to ask a question here about um, the way we experience God in the context of prayer. But as soon as I yeah. start to formulate that question, that is so personal and that is so possibly individual that I'm not sure it's a valid question. Yeah, I, I think it's it's probably more important to maybe think about how God um, make space for us. So, mm. you know, another way to put prayer is, uh, or another way to put it is, is to just allow your, your existence, your reality to overlap with God's reality, which is an amazing statement, by the way, just the God of the universe who hangs the stars and knows all of them by name makes space for us. And so if you, if you think about the New Testament calls our own heart, the temple of God. So God dwells in us, the God of the universe who, you know, Solomon says the whole, all the heavens can contain him, puts himself uh, within us. We, we are a temple. We are a throne. 
for his presence. So there's a, in some sense where he's at our right hand. He's present with us. He's, he's with us. And then Paul has this weird statement in um, Ephesians 1, at the end of chapter 1, where he said, we have been raised and seated at his right hand. So, and I don't, I don't know the, the chemistry, the biology of that dynamic, but some, he uses past tense verbs that we have been raised and seated with him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So in some sense, that's a, a greater and more real reality than any other reality that we experience now. And it's true. So when, when we come to prayer, we are sort of intensifying the reality that Jesus is both at our right hand here, present with us. So there's this intimacy and we're at his right hand in this transcendent reality in the heavenly places. And so when we're praying, that's how God makes space for us. He, he, he has, there's this transcendent reality. So that all the glorious presence of God is, we're able to experience that and the intimacy he's in our mundane ordinary moments when we're trying to blink through our prayers and sip our coffee before we get, um, get to the rest of the day. Um, so there's this weird dynamic of transcendence and intimacy that we're meant to hold on to and, and everything that we receive in those moments that we're trying to pay attention to what God is doing in those moments is a, is a gift. And so, yeah, you're right to, to assume that it's different from person to person, but it's always a gift. It's always a, it's always a grace, whatever, whatever comes. We're going to continue our conversation about the, this gracious gift of God in prayer and the possibility of prayer. John Stark's book, Finding Stillness with God in a Restless World. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation now with pastor and author John Stark. The book is The Possibility of Prayer, Finding Stillness with God in a Restless World. John, I'm so glad that you um, made a reference there to Ephesians chapter 1. I I live with a man of prayer, um, and there are times in my uh, <clears throat> rush and hurry that um, I even have been known on occasion to interrupt him in his prayer closet. Because, right, my schedule, my day, the, th- the demands of the day, right? Um, and just before you and I had the opportunity to talk today, I popped back into my house there for a moment, and he had just emerged from his prayer closet. He's practically glowing. He has, you know, been spending this intimate time with the Lord, and he's been reveling, I mean reveling, in the prayers that Paul uh, shares in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. And I got to tell you, I didn't have time to go there. I like I just I didn't I didn't have time to to go there because of the rush and hurry and the schedule of life. Talk talk with talk with me about my own sin related to that in terms of respecting <laughs> other people's prayer life. Well, you know, in the second part of the book, I talk about so so the first part of the book is just really talking about the possibility. So, you know, God makes prayer possible, and not not just our abilities, but the main actor in prayer and its possibility is God. But the second part is just the practice of prayer. And there's, there's one chapter on um, practicing rest. So, you know, our family practices a Sabbath. um, And, and I think in one ways um, you, you, I, I aren't sinning in, in the spec that uh, you're working hard. uh, You're, you are, 
Um, you're made in the image of God. God created. God worked hard. I mean, if you think about the Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth, and he did it for six days, and he worked hard. Um, and But then on, on the seventh day, he rested. And, you know, you can ask the question, why did God rest? And probably wasn't because he was tired. It's not like the sun probably wore him out and he needed the rest from that. Or, And it wasn't simply that he was preparing for week two because, you know, he knew the fall was coming in a few weeks. And so he had to prepare for everything that would happen. No, he, he rested not because he was tired or because he was preparing for the next week. He just did it for joy. There's there's something in rest that God delighted in that wasn't uh, a, a needed thing for for his limitations, but because of because of just joy, he enjoyed what he was doing. And in some ways, when God calls us to rest and and Exodus and later, he says do it. He goes back to the uh, creation reference and tells us to rest the way he did. So in some ways, when we rest and pause and stop working, we're not doing it merely because we're tired or so we don't get tired. Um, we're doing it because we're made in the image of God. We work like crazy. We work hard. We're trying to be efficient. We're trying to create great things. But then at the same time, we we rest and we take delight. We have a day of delight. I mean, I, I, I put it this way, is that God's given you the theological justification to have the best day of the year once a week. Mm-hmm. It's just a gift, and you can receive that. And so in some ways, uh, I think if you can get a rhythm of rest – um, where you can set down work for 24 days and it's or 24 hours. I wish it was 24 days, 24 hours, and just receive it as a gift. That that does shape you. I think it does put work and busyness and the 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 going on of our schedule in its place, um, and it puts it in a place where God puts it. I think He He puts His schedule. He wants us to put our schedule in the way He puts His own weekly schedule. Um, so we're just sort of aligning with him, and I think that does something. That shapes even the way we think about stillness and rest. In the, you know, you can think about prayer as like a mini Sabbath. We're we're saying to ourselves and to God, "I'm not the one who holds the universe together. You are. Um, the world isn't going to fall apart if I if I let it go for a minute." Um, but I think in some ways our heart needs to learn that. There's a and and just the rhythm of rest uh, teaches us that rather than reading a book on rest does. It sort of just the habit of it teaches us. It creates new grooves in it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, I, I really appreciated that you included a chapter on corporate worship. Um, I think yeah. that we often have this conversation uh, in terms of, let's say, spiritual disciplines. Um, we have this conversation uh, as something that is completely individualistic and has no effect on our corporate life with other believers. So I just really appreciated that chapter. I want to um, I want to give you the opportunity to just talk about um, a person who has been influential in your life in terms of these rhythms and patterns. For, for our listeners who don't know him, tell us about Eugene Peterson. Mm. Oh, man. Well, Eugene Peterson um, was a pastor in, in Baltimore, and funny, I he was, before he went to Baltimore, he, he was in New York here in the city, and I I passed the church that he uh, was an associate pastor at every day when I take my kids to school. Um, so I get to kind of spiritually high five on my guests as I as I <laughs> take my kids to school. Uh, but here's a, a guy in the 
seventies, eighties, and nineties who um in in our country when probably efficiency and maybe even efficiency in church culture was sort of taking hold, he had sort of a kind of prophetic voice that um taught us that um maybe efficiency um isn't always doing us spiritually good. Um, there's a good place for efficiency and good use of time. Don't don't waste your time. You know, the Proverbs and even Paul has talked about just redeeming the time. But at the same time, um, if, you know, if I have a, 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 my wife and I'm always trying to be efficient with my time with her rather than unhurried and I'm just paying attention, I'm not looking at the clock, I'm, I'm just with her, I'm present. I'm not paying attention to anything else but her. There's a richness, there's a, there's a depth, there's an intimacy that shows up. And, and that's the same thing with God. And, and um, Eugene Peterson, I, I think in some ways, sort of kept us accountable with that, that, that don't, don't give in to the hurry. Um, you're not justified by how much stuff you get done. You're not justified by your efficiency. You're justified by grace. Um, and so if if our use of time doesn't give a witness that we're not justified by our work, by our time, by our efficiency, um, uh, then, then, then there's an inconsistency there. And and so, you know, um, I say in my little dedication that I'm just trying to further that work that he already started. Um, he actually passed during the, the writing of the of the book. And so it felt meaningful to to give give him a little bit of an honor there. Well, we want to um, speak God's word of blessing uh, upon you as you preach through the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, as I look at the uptown.apostles.nyc uh, website, it looks like you're preaching through the Gospel of Matthew. So we want to you know, speak God's encouragement to you in the midst of that. Um, we certainly want to thank you for joining us today. And we want to thank you for this book, The Possibility of Prayer, Finding Stillness with God in a Restless World. John Stark, um, thanks for being with us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. Okay, I actually recorded that conversation with John Stark a few weeks ago, and so that's why you didn't hear any references in there to, hey, hey, what's happening in... Uh, in Manhattan at Uptown Apostles right now in the midst of uh, the cor- coronavirus. But I did think that having um, having that uh, that book highlighted today would be a blessing to everyone. So I have copies to give away of the possibility of prayer. If you would like uh, to enter the drawing to receive one of the copies that InterVarsity Press sent us, all you have to do is text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, text the word book to 877-933-2484 for a copy of John Stark's The Possibility of Prayer. That is also the number you are going to want to have handy tomorrow morning, 9 to 10 a.m., alongside my colleagues Susie Larson and Bill Arnold. Um, I will be hosting a live hour from 9 to 10 Central, 9 to 10 Central, right here on the Faith Radio Network. Um, And the way you participate is by listening Uh, either online, streaming at MyFaithRadio.com, via the Faith Radio app, or your enabled device in your home um, by saying, Alexa, enable Faith Radio, or Google, play Faith Radio. Um, But you also can call us during the 9 to 10 Central Hour tomorrow. Share your prayer request. We will pray with you and for you. 
Um, share your testimony of what God is doing in your life, how he is showing up and showing off in the midst of all of this. We want to hear from you. So that is Saturday. This is a totally special one-time, possibly only event. Who knows? Uh, 9 to 10 a.m. Central tomorrow, you're going to want to call or text your prayer concerns, your testimonies to 877-933-2484. That is also the number for the Faith Radio line, which you can call anytime and leave us a prayer request or a testimony. All right. Have a great day. Make it a great day. And God bless. I'll see you back here tomorrow, 9 a.m. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.